Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Lawmaster Program. The AVB's predictions regarding the coming of the Lord God are fulfilled in the man, Tommy L. Hart. This is big, big news. The Bible's Lord God has come as predicted. But not only has the Lord God come, he has also come forward and revealed himself. He has told the people his name in compliance with Psalm 94, 1 and John 7, 4. Having performed the works that the Bible ascribes to God, the man Tommy L. Hart feels the bill for God. It is reported by those who know him best. He has done all things well. Let's hear from the Lord God, Tommy L. Hart. Title of this episode, God is the Judge. God is the Judge. Uh, And that comes from Psalm chapter 75, uh, verse 7. And it says just that. God is the judge. Things the judge has said, uh, we're going to hear from the Gentiles uh, some things they have said. Uh, We're going to talk about some of the things the Lord um, has said to the Gentiles for them to do, and we're going to look and see uh, what the Gentiles have have done in response to the word coming from the judge, who is God. All right. We have here, coming from Psalm 96, verse 13, Uh, let me uh, begin this with uh, Psalm 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. Now, Psalm 96, verse 13. Before the Lord, all caps, for he cometh to judge the world. The earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. To judge the world with righteousness and the people with his truth. So we need to have an understanding of God's truth. I believe we have that. I have that. He cometh to judge the world. Before the Lord, for he cometh to judge the world with righteousness. Get that? With righteousness. And the people with his truth. So whatever the judge uh, sends as a judgment, his judgment is righteous. It's a righteous judgment. He cometh to judge the world with righteousness and the people with his truth. Now, we also have this understanding that uh, the Gentiles from preceding episodes have acknowledged their rebellion against God. They have acknowledged that. 
in several ways, different ways or statements that have that I have presented. All right. They acknowledge their transgression. They acknowledge their iniquity. Now the question is, what does God do with transgressions? What does he do with the sin and the iniquity? I think I said last time we were together that sin brings judgment. And judgment brings death. A familiar passage says uh, the wages of sin is death. Okay? Sin brings judgment, and judgment brings death. Sin, judgment of sin, judgment against the sinners, and death. Sin, judgment, death. Judgment is a response to sin. God's judgment is a response to sin. And death is the response to judgment. Okay? Now, I said the last time I brought this up, and, and, and I... I um, What's clear in the statement concerning grace? I said grace is found to be uh, an iniquity as preached and taught uh, by the Gentiles and uh, the Israelites and others. Grace. Grace versus law. Grace versus uh, obedience to God's word. Churches teach grace. We say we are sinners saved by grace. Okay. Is grace established in the King James Bible to be a savior? That's the question. Yes, the Bible talks about grace in the in, in that which is called New Testament. It talks about grace. It speaks of grace. But the question is, is Grace uh, sufficient is grace in contention with God's law. I said the last time I presented, uh, let's see here. I need to turn to it and see exactly what I said. Okay. Okay, Romans 6, verse 14, where it says, well, let me read Romans 6, 15 first. It says, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law? Well, who said the Gentiles, the people, were not under the law? The Bible says and declares that they are to be under the law of God. Shall we sin then because we are not under the law but under grace? Remember the principle. Sin brings judgment 
and judgment brings death. What about that? That's a principle that the King James Bible teaches throughout itself, even in the New Testament. Even in the New Testament. Remember this. The the things that are taught in the Old Testament are the same things that are taught in the New Testament. All right? It has added things, okay, such as this thing concerning uh, salvation by grace. But is salvation by grace a true salvation? Is grace able to save? Is grace able to save sinners? That's the question. Obedience to God is a savior. Okay? Grace is not taught to be a savior in the King James Bible. Grace is found to be, uh, salvation by grace is found to be anti-God. Against God. Against God's word. God has said, my law. Keep my law. Okay. Grace says, as taught by many that I've heard in the Christian world, you're not under the law. But grace, <laughs> under grace, as the statements here say. Let me read the second statement. The second statement, Romans 6.14, ye are not under the law. Okay, in Romans 6.15, the people say we are not under the law, under grace. Romans 6.14 says uh, the judge is speaking. Now, here's the judge. The judge is God. The judge says in Romans 6.14, ye are not under the law, but under grace. He tells them exactly what they said in Romans 6.15. They said we are not under the law, but under grace. Now, God is not saying that that's okay for you to be not under the law, but under grace is not uh, saying that that is okay and that's where you should be. No. God is telling them where they are, which they have already acknowledged. They are not under the law. So the statement, ye are not under the law, but under grace is... uh, Reasons for indictment, cause for indictment, not being under the law, but under grace. I hope that's clear. The Bible says, obey the voice of the Lord God, obey the word of God, obey the commandments of God. And that's taught also in the New Testament. We're dealing with these two statements. And then there's a statement, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It goes on to say, teaching us that we should live godly, righteously, soberly in this present world. What is it to live soberly? Is living soberly uh, 
Does it mean keep that does that mean keeping the law? Abiding by the law of God? Just see. Does that signify obedience to the word of God? Soberly, righteously. Um What do those things signify? God has been very clear in the King James Bible about obedience to him and where the people should be, under the law, under the rule of God. But the Gentiles have already acknowledged that they have rebelled against God. And they put themselves under this thing which they created, grace, saved by grace. You don't have to obey God's word. All you have to do if you sin is just say, God, forgive me, and he'll forgive you. That's not so according to the Bible. The Bible says God is a God of judgment. The Bible says the Lord God loves judgment. Of course, it says a whole lot of other things, all in line with those two statements about God and judgment and sin and Righteousness. What is righteousness? The Bible's definition for righteousness is keeping the law. Keeping the law, obeying the law, walking in the law of the Lord. So this thing about grace as taught in the Christian church is uh, terribly wrong, according to the King James Bible. It is not in line with keeping the law of God. Romans said the law is good. So the law is not uh, canceled in the New Testament. The law is good. Even in First John, it says, well, Romans says the wages of sin is death. The law is still there. Uh, then in First John, it says uh, about the law, sin is the transgression of the law. The law is still valid in and throughout that which is called New Testament. The law is still valid. Yeah. I know many Israelite preachers say, you're not under the law. They don't have any understanding of King James Bible statement uh, content. None whatsoever. Uh, remember that passage in Isaiah that says, that speaks about the dumb dogs? Remember that statement? I believe it's in Isaiah 59. But you can look it up. Look up dumb dogs in the King James Bible. Okay, but let's move on. So so that's enough to be said about that. Uh, that's enough. Before the Lord, for he cometh, he cometh to judge the world with righteousness and the people with his truth. But will be judged according to the King James Bible. The Gentiles know this. Uh, Isaiah 33, verse 22. The Lord all caps is our judge. I'm reading what's written. The Lord all caps is our judge. The Lord is our judge. Remember, uh, Psalm 75, verse 7, God is the judge. Who is God? 
3, verse 7. Surely the Lord God will do nothing. Now, this Lord God here in Amos 3, verse 7 speaks of the Son of God. That's Lord God. That's Lord with the capital L, lowercase O-R-D. God. That speaks of the Son. The Lord God, surely the Lord God will do nothing. John chapter 5, verse 19. The, the Son can do nothing of himself. Caps is the Father. All right? The Lord all caps is the Father, and the Lord, capital L, lowercase O-R-D, God, is the Son. Surely the Lord God, the Son, will do nothing. The Son can do nothing of himself. First John 4, verse 3. Well, let's go to Habakkuk 2, verse 3. No, let's go to Jeremiah 3, verse 5. Thou, the judge, is speaking to the people, the Gentiles in particular. He's speaking to the uh, Gentiles in particular. Thou, this is the judge, thou hast spoken and done evil. Hmm? God is talking to them. He's straight up. He's straightforward. He says to the Gentiles, you have spoken and done evil. Now, remember, the Gentiles up above have said, we are not under the law, but under grace. The judge says, uh, first he said the statement about grace, uh, ye are not under the law, but under grace. That's a uh, condemnatory uh, statement. They are found to be indictable because of their state that they say under grace. That's an indictable act. That's a trespass. Uh, That grace they speak of is iniquitous. It is iniquity. It is against the word of God, and if it is against the word of God, it is against God himself. Okay? Thou hast spoken and done evil. That's not a good thing uh, to be said of anyone, is it? Thou hast spoken and done evil. And remember, this is coming from the judge. God is the judge. Psalm 52, verse 3. That's not all. The judge says, continues talking to them, saying, Thou lovest evil more than good. And, well, let's just stop right there. He tells the Gentiles, you have spoken and done evil. Then he tells them, you love evil more than good. Mm -hmm. Remember that statement about the law and grace? Not under the law, but under grace. Evil would be being under grace, and the good would be being under the law of God. Good and evil. They're in conflict with each other. The Gentiles chose 
this thing they concocted, grace, evil, rather than obedience to God, remaining under the law of God, that would be good. But they chose the evil, to depart from God's law, which is to depart from God himself, and establish their own righteousness, which is against the righteousness of God. The Gentiles have put themselves against God. They have put themselves against the words of God, themselves against the law of God. They have put themselves against the people of God. Because what is going on right now? Well, they are still claiming to be under grace, the Gentiles are. They are still holding God's people in a perpetual captivity. Now, that is wickedness. That's, that's gross wickedness. That's gross evil. Holding people in captivity who have done them neither good nor bad. That's a crime against humanity for the Israelites of today, descendants of the ancient Israelites. It's a crime against humanity for the Gentiles to continue holding the Israelites, as in America and the UK, in a perpetual captivity, a crime against humanity, and no one says anything about it. All can see it. All of any age should know that the Israelites were brought to America as captives first and then made, secondly, to do slave labor. I said slave labor. Made to do, forced to do slave labor. Remember, remember the statement I've presented before that says, speaks to the Gentiles' course and their force? It says, the Gentiles' course is evil and their force is not right. We're talking about things, we're talking about what the King James Bible teaches, what it says and what it teaches. Okay? The Israelites, I say, this is very important. This is very important, people. The Gentiles are holding the Israelites in a perpetual captivity and though they took the chains off some time ago, they act and treat the Israelites badly, very badly. I mean, inhumanely. They don't even acknowledge that they exist. The Gentiles do not acknowledge that the Israelites exist. No acknowledgement of that. The Gentiles do not call the Israelites by their name, Israelites. Israelites do not have the same rights as Gentiles and uh, Israelite Gentile biracials. No, they do not have the same rights. All you got to do is open your eyes and look at what goes on. There are certain jobs 
uh, for Gentiles. There are certain jobs for uh, Israelite Gentile biracials, and there are certain jobs for the Israelites. And we know that Israelites get the worst end of the, of the stick. Inhuman. To treat a people as though they do not exist. The Israelites in America are not represented in Congress. Not represented. Israelites have problems. Those problems are never brought up in a law setting, in a con- congressional setting. It's as though the Israelites do not exist in America. But they do. It's bad. And the Gentiles know, because their fathers did the capturing and enslaving and all, the Gentiles know that the Israelites are being held in their countries unlawfully, unlawfully, against their will, their will. The Israelites have been in captivity for so long, <laughs> they think they belong in America, okay? They don't even talk about their state, that of being in captivity. They don't even talk about their that they are not in their own homeland, that their homeland was taken away or they were taken away from their own homeland by the Gentiles. The Israelites don't even talk about these things. Okay. Let's get back to the outline. Yeah. Inhumane treatment. Inhumane treatment. Nothing is ever done in America for the Israelites. Now, things are done for other people in America, including the the, uh, Israelite Gentile biracials. And, of course, for the Gentiles themselves, things are done for even the Indians and all, for the Spanish and all, Spanish-speaking people and all. I mean, but nothing is ever done for the Israelites. No one talks about you in the land of your enemy. You steal captives, you know, although the Gentiles try to make the captivity look not like a captivity, but it is. Uh, America is not the Israelites' home. The Israelites that remain that the Gentiles did not kill and murder, uh, they cast into captivity and scattered them abroad in the Gentile nations, America and UK being two of those nations. Don't tell me this is not important. It is very important. The Gentiles have us here and act as though we don't exist. Inhumane treatment is like they say, casting somebody in jail and throwing away the keys. Those are sinful acts because they're not doing it only against the Israelites themselves. They're doing it against God. Okay. So so, uh, the judge says to the Gentiles, spoken and done evil, uh, you love, you found uh, you love evil more than good, and lying, lying, telling lies, and lying, the judge goes on to say, rather than to 
speak righteousness. Consider the preachers in the pulpit. They rather speak lies than the things that are right. Speak lies against God. Speak lies against the the, uh, the words of God in the King James Bible. Let me read that statement again. This is Psalm 52, verse 3. To the, Gent- the judge speaks to the Gentiles. Thou, let me speak like this. He says, you love evil, you love evil more than good and lying rather than to speak righteousness. That's the Gentiles, people. <laughs> well, ask yourself a question. Why do the Gentiles have the King James Bible in their land and in their hand? Why do they have it? Because they know that it's speaking, it speaks a lot about them. They're doing where they are, whether it's in sin or what. It speaks about them and their actions. It's, it's their book. Okay? It's their book. And I read the book. I study the book. I don't really read, you know, just, you know, like reading a book. I study the book. I analyze the book. I analyze the content of the book. And I found out things that I did not know before. And that's the purpose of this this program, Lawmaster Program to share, to present the things that I know my people do not know. And it serves uh, to speak uh, a platform from which to speak uh, to the Gentiles themselves. All right? Speak to my people and speak to their captors. That's lying. To have a people in captivity and cause them to think that they are not in captivity. That's lying. That's deceit. Deceit is not good. Okay. Now let's go back to these two statements. Uh, No. Jeremiah 3, verse 1. Return again to me. Or return to me, saith the Lord, all caps. Uh, Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me. So the Lord has said, return to me. He has said to the Gentiles, come to me. Uh, the Gentiles have said no. We're at the climax of the matter now, okay? All of this talk that I've been doing for the, you know, last several broadcasts, this, uh, this speaks to the climax of the whole matter. God, sin of the people, judgment, death, it's climatic. Climatic. You can say a time for judgment. I said that years ago when I first uh, started speaking on Blog Talk Radio that this is the time of judgment. We are living in the time of judgment. Yes, I said that when I first started on Blog Talk Radio 
some years ago. And uh, about that, First John 4, 3 says, even now is it already in the world. It's already here. It's here. Watch this. Now, I should have read this statement first. But anyway, I've already read, I read 1 John 4, 3. Even now is it already in the world. That's what I'm talking about. Habakkuk 2, verse 3 says, listen, though it tarry, wait for it. <laughs> it will surely come. That's what the judge has said. Though it tarry, wait for it. Because it will surely come. The Gentiles have a statement. I believe it's in the book of uh, Isaiah. And they say, we look for judgment. That's a, that's a statement from the Gentiles. They say, we look for judgment. Just like they said in the statement, Romans uh, 6.15, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? Gentiles said that. And that statement in Isaiah, they say, we wait for, no, they said, we look for judgment. For means to expect. They expect judgment. They admit that in the King James Bible. So when the judgment comes from God upon and against the Gentiles, the people, they know what it's all about. But will they stay on, say on TV or publicly say, okay, we know that this thing is a judgment from God? No, they don't say that. But they know it, though. They know it because they've said in the Bible, we look judgment. That means they do not care whether God's judgment comes or not because they're going to try to find a way to defeat it. And they don't mind they don't mind the number of people that are killed in the judgment and with the execution of judgment. They don't mind that. Hundred thousand, two hundred thousand, three hundred they do not mind the numbers. They do not mind it. A million, one point five million, they don't they don't mind that. They count it as a sacrifice. And they go right on with their evil. But what did the other statements say? Look for it. Though it tarry, it will come. People are going to die. That's what that means. It will come. People are going to die. But the Gentiles on TV now say they've been through this before. Well, the end has not come yet. Okay, but they don't mind the numbers. The numbers kill, sicken. They don't mind that. Collateral, collateral damage. Okay, let's move on. Let's try to find a way out of this thing. Yeah, amazing statement. We expect judgment. We look for judgment. And they say, in so many words, God bring it on. Lord bring it on. Isn't that something? <laughs> All of that 
rather than submit to God. Wow. They risk untold numbers of that are wounded and killed, untold numbers, to stay as they are, free. So when you hear the Gentiles talk, say they are free on TV or in a public forum or something, because they love to say, we're free. Yeah, they mean free from God. That's what they mean. They're free from God. Let's finish this. So, but these are powerful statements. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. Gentiles say, we expect judgment. First John 4, 3 says, even now it is, is it already in the world. Though it tarry, Habakkuk 2, 3, wait for it, because it will, it will surely come. Even now is it already in the world. Okay, let's go on. Uh, Jeremiah 3, verse 21, they have, the Gentiles have perverted their way. Their way is a way of perversion. And they have forgotten the Lord their God. Remember, they rebel against God. They act as though God does not exist. Isn't that something? Now, don't be fooled. The Gentiles talk about God. They talk about Lord and all like that but not in righteousness. <laughs> They're deceitful. They pretend to know God. They pretend to love God when they hate God. This is Bible. Now, this is Bible talk. The Bible speaks of those that hate God, a real thing, a, we- a real hate hatred. Okay. Why are the Gentiles, why do they continue to hold God's people in captivity? Because of their hatred for God. Okay. They have perverted their way. Their way is a way of perversion. It's perverse. It's perversive. And they have forgotten the Lord their God. Of course, the Israelites have forgotten the Lord their God as well. Not a good thing. But they were forced to forget the Lord their God and made to forget the Lord their God by their Gentile captors. Just the truth of the matter. Everybody knows who has any sense and of any age how terribly the Gentiles treated the slaves, the, the uh, Israelites, that they were holding in, capt- holding in, in uh, captivity and made to do slave labor. And I've said this before on Block Talk Radio. Biracials were not enslaved. The Gentiles to this very day treat the biracials differently from the way they treat Israelites. The biracials are treated with respect in America. The Israelites are not. All one has to do is open their eyes, open his eyes or her eyes. Gentiles said this, Jeremiah 3, verse 22, I believe, uh, it was not, yeah, 3, verse 22 says, Behold, we come unto thee. They are talking to the Lord. For thou art the Lord our God. But they lied. Remember the statement? They love lying, lying rather than to speak righteousness. So what does the King James Bible call the Gentiles? They call them liars. 
uh, in First John, the question is asked, who is a liar? That question is in First John. And here we have in the statement that I read earlier, Psalm 52, verse 3, speaking to the Gentiles, you love evil more than good and lying rather than to... I'm giving you Bible information. I'm giving you true, truthful information. I'm giving you righteous information. Let's move on. Time is going. Acts. Yeah, the Gentiles have not fulfilled that which they said in Jeremiah, I believe it's chapter 3, verse 22, uh, where they said to the Lord, Behold, we come unto thee, for thou art the Lord our God. They have not fulfilled that. They found to be liars. Acts 5, verse 4 says, the, the judge speaks to them, saying, Thou hast not lied to men, but to God. You know, I've said this before. The Israelite gods were, were men. They're in human form. They were gods, but they were people. Okay? Uh, you have not lied to men, but to God. Now, the Gentiles do lie to men, but in this uh, sense right here, and in this uh, circumstance right here, they lied to God because they said, Behold, we come to you, for thou art the Lord our God. But they haven't done it. They're not planning on doing it. Okay? Because they want to be free forever from the Lord, their God, and hold God's people in a perpetual captivity. Okay, therefore, Jeremiah 3, verse 8. Listen, for the fierce anger of the Lord is not turned back. It said in 1 John 4, 3, even now is it already in the world? Jeremiah 3, verse 8 says, for the fierce anger of the Lord, anger of the Lord is not turned back from us. And 1 Samuel 8, verse 7, uh, the judge speaks. I said the judge speaks. The judge is God. He says, they have rejected me that I should not reign over them. And God asked the question, should I not visit for these things? And when God visits the Gentiles, it's not a good thing. Okay? Wow, they have rejected me that I should not reign over them. So that's what the Gentiles mean when they say they're free, they will forever be free, and all free from the Lord, their God. That's what they're talking about. So they stated. But remember the, the principle. Sin brings judgment, and judgment brings death. The Gentiles see those that are killed and injured as collateral damage. Okay. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter. Always make Lawmaster Archive your dwelling place. Do go by Amazon at the end of this episode, this program. Uh, go, go to Amazon Bookstore and order from my great list of books there. Be sure and get the one titled, The Son of God Was Here With Men on Earth. And join me next time.